Watch out for that first step, it's a doozy! You're missing all the fun! These people are great! Some of them have been partying all night long. They sing songs till they get too cold and then they go sit by the fire and they get warm and then they come back and they sing some more. Yeah, they're hicks, Rita. He might be okay. Well, no, probably not now. This is pitiful. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. What a hype. Sounded like they used to mean something in this town. They used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it. You're hypocrites. All of you. Welcome to another edition of No Brains, No Headache podcast. This is episode 38. I'm your host, Jordan Weichel, and I'll be joined shortly with my co-host, Matthew Cleary. On today's show, we had an interview with the owner and operator of Punksy Pizza in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, the homeland of Groundhog Festival. Then we got into a Groundhog Day movie review with Riley Nagel from Stranger Nakes Podcast. We'll give you a full Red Baron review. Then we got into Cleary's comments. And this week we did Olympics of Stadium Snacks. It's a really good one. Very open for interpretation. Then we finish it all up with the Matt Stafford trade talk. And we give some Super Bowl picks as well. So let's get it on. When Chekhov saw the long winter, he saw a winter bleak and dark and bereft of hope. Yet we know that winter is just another step in the cycle of life. But standing here among the people of Punxsutawney and basking in the warmth of their hearths and hearts, I couldn't imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter. Okay. Let's party. I'm now joined by Scott Anthony. He is the owner and operator of Punxy Pizza in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, home of the Groundhog Festival. Scott, thanks for coming on. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So I just want to know, could you just tell us about Punxy Pizza? What's the atmosphere? If I were to walk in on a normal day, you know, what, what am I getting? We established this place in 2014. Um, I had about 20 years experience in a, with a franchise before that, and then I decided to go independent. And we built the whole business around the community. That's why we called it Punxy Pizza. So it's kind of a fast, casual, family-oriented um, atmosphere here. Uh, we do sell beer and wine. Um, mainly I brought that on board just to kind of complement meals. I am. I'm also a member of the World Pizza Champions. Okay. And so I travel a lot for pizza competitions and expos and stuff. And one thing I really learned is that um, you know a good beverage can really complement a meal very well. So we decided to bring beer and wine in and just do some real authentic Italian pizzas like we've seen in Italy. And so we'll uh, we'll have different uh, parties for stuff like that or. Um, maybe a, a featured pizza for a couple months, a limited time offer of a, a pizza that you would see in, in Italy. So you said you're going to these expos. Are you competing? Or are you judging? Or what's your role within that? Um, both. It, in, in Italy, I compete. Um, at the International Pizza Expo, I do judge and also conduct some seminars. That's held in Vegas every year. Uh, the next one's going to be in June of 2021 at our of course, everything got canceled this year for us. Yep. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, that's that's the next thing I'm looking forward to is Vegas in uh, 2021. That's awesome that you get to travel around and do what you love, and pizza is a part of that. Uh, what are what's one of the most unique pizza requests you've ever gotten? Whether you could make it or not, what's the most unique pizza request? One of my customers um, gave me the idea. I was trying to think of a a recipe to use in a competition in Italy, and they told me about this uh, spice that they had, um, and it was called uh, I can never say it right something like bagata. And anyways, it's uh, it's a poor man's uh, caviar. It's it's a Sicilian um, dish, and so I used that as a flavoring on my pizza. And, uh, it was, it was really, it was kind of an interesting taste. It wasn't, you know, real fishy or anything. And it was something that you really had to balance it out with, but it was kind of a neat introduction. And I, I made kind of a whole Sicilian style pizza out of it. We used uh, lava rock, black lava, sea salt from Mount Etna and then the, um, the, uh, poor man's caviar. And, uh, so it, it was, it was pretty interesting. I liked that. So you don't have pe- people requesting Oreos and gumballs on their pizza, stuff like that? Um, no. I mean, we, we play around with stuff. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, when there's some downtimes, we've been known to make deep-fried candy bars and uh, do all kinds of stuff like that with pizzas and strumpolis and what have you. But, uh, um, yeah, we're, we're, a, we're a very small town here. In, in Pennsylvania and Punxsutawney. And so people aren't real adventurous. Um, you know, you don't see too many people straying from the traditional pepperoni pizza. Yep. That's how I roll. I just keep thinking <laughs> of, I keep thinking of Steve Buscemi's character in Mr. Deeds. He just keeps ordering all these extravagant pizzas and some of the combinations are pretty funny, but I'm <laughs> you know, wondering. Some things you just don't think will work out, but you gotta, you gotta kind of try it and give it a, give it a chance yeah absolutely i'm i'm all for the pepperoni or the classic cheese but then occasionally if you know i'm out and about it's cool to try some new pizzas with some different toppings so how's business been i know the last year probably has been you know a roller coaster of what's going on uh, how how have you handled things in the last year it's been coping day by day um business as far as sales go has been up because we are pizza. We're kind of set up for takeout and delivery. So that was good. Um, but it was also extremely stressful because there were times when we just got bombarded because we were one of the few places still open and able to, to uh, service people. And then with the kind of the rules and the CDC guidelines changing all the time and what you have to do and, and what have you, um, it was very hard to keep up with, and it was very hard to keep employees uh, during this past year, uh, whether it was for COVID-related reasons that they didn't want to work or because we did get so busy, it was it was very stressful at work. So it was a challenge. Um, our sales were up, but, you know, believe me, we worked very hard for everything we got last year. Yeah, my heart goes out to all of the small business owners, especially the restaurant owners uh you guys are still trying to keep up and running but seems like the rules are changing every day of what you can and can't do so it's good to hear that the sales are up and it sounds like the punksy pizza and the punksatani community they really support you so that's reassuring to hear 
Uh, could you tell me more about this beer delivery service that I saw you had? Uh, I'm very intrigued about it. Um, well, it's something that became legal in Pennsylvania a couple years ago, and nobody around here was doing it. So I decided to buy the additional license to have beer delivery. And it's really pretty cool. I, I like it. I think it's a great idea. It keeps people off the road, and it's an extra service that we can add to people uh, to, to our, you know, um, offerings and we're, we're the only one in this county that does it so you know it just has to be done over the phone and paid so it's paid in the store with a credit card and then you just deliver the beer to the people uh, so it's, it's pretty cool and you can deliver up to like a 192 ounces like a 15 pack of whatever Miller Lite Coors Light something like that okay so so us North Dakotans, uh, you know, we've been known to drink a little bit, so that's pretty awesome. The, the only cool thing we have around here is, like, the drive-through, um, like, liquor stores, but those are kind of few and far in between. So I like it when people get innovative with, you know, beer delivery, or do you deliver wine as well if somebody wanted that, or is it just beer? Um, we don't. I'd have to buy a separate license okay. for that, uh, but uh, the beer does fairly well you know i wish you would do a little bit more but it does it does okay and i'm glad to have that offering i mean i think it's a really cool convenience to have yeah it works in your favor if you're already delivering a pizza why not a six-pack on top of it most people are going to be yeah. having something to drink with their pizza anyway so exactly uh, how much does Groundhog Day mean to the community? Like, was the movie highly regarded or was it considered a mockery of Punxsutawney? I, I honestly have no clue the movie was um, highly regarded. That really put us on the map. Since the movie came out in the 90s, um, Groundhog Day has become a giant economic boost to this whole community and surrounding communities because we really don't have the infrastructure here to support the number of people that come in for Groundhog Day. We only have one hotel in the whole town, and it has 36 rooms, I believe. But um, on a year like... in February 2nd, 2020, right before the pandemic, we had 50,000 people here in a town of 6,000. So you can imagine that, you know, for 50 miles around, every every hotel was filled. So it's done a lot for our business, um, our business, our town. And just, you know, typically with retail after Christmas and food service, that's a slow time of year. So for you to have a you know, uh, uh, your own special holiday that gives you such a big economic boost in the slow time of year is just a real, you know, blessing. You got to be grateful for it, no matter if you think it's a silly holiday or not. It it really means a lot. Uh, yet last year when we had the 50,000 people in town, we did over a week's business in, you know, two days. So it was it was pretty hectic. We had lines out the door. Yeah, that is definitely a huge boost after probably a long and cold January. Beginning of February can just start on a, you know, on a high note. So, and then you said all the hotels like around 50 miles or so around are pretty packed, but you guys are about 80 miles northeast of Pittsburgh. Is there yes. kind of a lot of people who come from Pittsburgh or you guys kind of go hand in hand yeah, with Pittsburgh? You get a lot of day trippers from like Pittsburgh, Altoona, Erie. Um, places like that that'll just drive in for the uh, the ceremony and then hang out, you know, for a while in town and before they might go home. 
Um, but people come from all around the world. We've had last year, I had people here from Italy, from Russia, um, Spain, and all over the United States. And it's, it's funny that you see people come back year after year. It's not just a once in a lifetime experience. They really get into it. And so they'll, they'll come back all the time. You're an international success at Punksy Pizza. If Russians are coming <laughs> by to try out your pizza. <laughs> what's, what's the sports scene like? I mean, in Pennsylvania, you have options. We're in Steelers territory here. Okay, figured. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so the sports scene is pretty dead right now. Um, you know, we were really, uh, we were really counting on the Steelers to pull us through like the playoffs in uh, January and make it to the Super Bowl, and then they just kind of went downhill. But, uh, yeah, people were very sports-minded. Um, of course, with the, the virus and the pandemic, a lot of the sports has, has been canceled, and that's affected, you know, not only um, national sports but uh, school sports, college sports, all of that around here too. So, I mean, that has a trickle-down effect for us, too. There's a lot of tournaments that are held in and around the area. And, you know, my business in particular does almost all of the concession stands for the sports. So, you know, that, that has its impact, you know, another trickle-down impact to the pandemic. Is Punksy Pizza a good place to go watch sports, like on Sundays? Is it packed or is it you guys got TVs um, in there so people can watch your beloved Steelers? We, we don't have TVs in here. Um, we do offer free Wi-Fi. You can stream anything you want. And um, we usually, you know, say on a Sunday, we'll usually get, like, the after-church crowd. And it seems for football especially, um, people like to have their parties at home and just sit back and relax. Um, so we do a lot of takeout and delivery for the NFL games. And, you know, we're gearing up for it, even though the Steelers aren't in the Super Bowl. Um, I'm sure people will be having Super Bowl parties anyways. Uh, you know, no matter what, they're going to do that. Yeah, can only cage somebody for so long before they need some pizza and some football on the TV. Exactly. Do, are you a fan of a particular team? Are you a Steelers fan? Uh, I'm a Steelers fan, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I follow them. Is everybody just wearing uh, black and yellow around there since the Pirates, Penguins, and Steelers all have black and yellow as their primary colors? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty safe color choice of black and black and gold. Yeah, but uh, you know you don't you don't see a whole lot of it right now. Um, the the Pirates have you know been a little disappointing the last few years too. So <laughs> uh, people don't get too excited about the Pirates, but uh, the Penguins. Um, uh, hockey's becoming more and more popular uh, um, every year, so uh, you do see a lot of excitement uh, for the Penguins. Yeah, I went to University of North Dakota, and their big thing is their men's college hockey program is is upper echelon. So I, I know what the hockey community is like, and it's definitely a very popular sport that has some great supporters. So if you're in Punxsutawney, stop in, say hi, or if you're literally anywhere else, support your local businesses, especially your local pizza joints. I know you guys, you need our help more than ever right now. We're going to try to get you through um, this this pandemic and these tumultuous times. Uh, where can people follow, support, and check out Punxy Pizza? Our website is punxypizza.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, um, Think About Pizza. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Punksy Pizza. 
so we're we're pretty well covered with social media. Uh, we appreciate you know people following us, and we try to uh, you know keep them updated not just on what's going on with our own pizzeria, but uh, like I said, we'd like to you know through uh, my association with the World Pizza Champions team, we'd like to bring in some uh, some outside information and see what else is going on in the world of pizza too. Absolutely. I mean, I know we're from Bismarck, North Dakota. We may not be having all of our buddies stop in Punxy Pizza anytime soon, but it's more of a promotion of the pizza industry and, and restaurant industry as a whole. So that's cool that you have that where you get to travel around and it's more than just Punxy Pizza to you. It's it's everybody's in this together. So thank you so much for coming on, Scott. This has been awesome. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you. Yeah, we'll stay in touch and have a happy Groundhog Day, all right? Thanks. Thanks, Scott. This week, we're going to do a Red Baron review of the movie Groundhog's Day, excuse me, Groundhog Day, the 1993 comedy directed by Harold Ramis, starring Bill Murray. We're joined with Riley Nagel, the host of Stranger Nags podcast. So he hey, gave hey, us hey. a synopsis of the movie quick. Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. <laughs> well, Groundhog's Day, luckily, is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen it a lot. And uh, something funny about seeing it so many times, it's a movie about reliving the same day over and over again. This is a Bill Murray comedy from 1993. It follows Phil Connors. He is a weatherman who is pessimistic, grumpy. He's a big old asshole to everyone all the time. Thinks he's better than everyone else. Uh, thinks he's a real talented guy, too good for anything. So uh, one of his, uh, what his mission is in this movie, he has to go to Puxatawney, Pennsylvania is where they're, they do this annual groundhog celebration festival thing. And he's done it several times. He mentioned like, Oh, I hate going to Puxatawney. I hate covering groundhog day. So he goes there with a, a couple small crew, a producer Rita and his cameraman. And uh, yeah, he spends his groundhog's day just hating covering the event. Uh, He's trying to get out of there as fast as he can. He's, he says there's not like a blizzard coming, but this blizzard ends up trapping him in this town that he absolutely hates. So this is the first day. Then all of a sudden he wakes up the next day and he hears the same radio playing, ra same radio station uh, talk show. All of a sudden everyone's getting ready for, for Roundhog's Day and it just starts to sink in. He is reliving the same day over and over again. And so the film was really just that, him reliving the same day. It's a comedy, so it goes through, you know, him sort of re having fun with it at first. Then he, there's a lot of ups and downs on Phil's journey of reliving the same day over and over again. And as far as what else happens throughout the movie, you know, there's, there's lessons learned and growth and things like that. But there's not much else to say about synopsis-wise. I don't know, what do you guys... What do you guys feel about the movie? How do you guys feel I explained it? Yeah, you did a great job, and just, it's, like you said, it's a story of growth, and at the end, he becomes a really good person, and, and spoiler alert, he eventually gets out of the loop that he's living over and over again, but he kind of starts being more grateful for the things he has. So it is a comedy, but there's such a deeper meaning to this movie, you could really go down a rabbit hole talking about it. So, cards on the table, Riley. <laughs> I don't think I've seen this movie before. What? Are you, wait, wait, wait. You've never seen it before at all? I've seen clips of it. I think I saw it when I was like eight, but I vaguely remember it. 
Well, you watched it last night. Yeah, I watched it last night, and at the end of the movie, I was kind of thinking, so he finally bangs what's-her-face? <laughs> yeah, he finally he finally bangs old uh, old Rita, and it was a, it's a heartwarming moment. Some whap-ass pussy. But the thing is, is at the beginning of the movie, so in her time, she's only known him for like 30 hours. Yeah, barely knows him, and what she does know is that he is an asshole. You know, like that's just all she knows about Phil. And then they're they're telling they love each other and they move to Positani after 30 hours of knowing each other. Yeah, Matt, it's called true love. I think you're a pessimist. You're the you're the beginning Phil Connors right now. You need to start reliving the same day over and over again. Get some uh, perspective on life, Matt. Well, I thought we were supposed to review Independence Day. So I was wrong movie. Yeah, well, no one wants that bullshit. Red Bear and pizza suck. We're here to talk about good movies for once, Matt. The premise behind it, Groundhog's Day, if the groundhog sees a shadow for six, or sees a shadow, it's winter for six more weeks. And, of course, he sees it in the movie. And I love how he just makes fun of the groundhog. That's one of the first things that kind of stood out to me is he's just digging into the groundhog the whole time, calling it a rat, calling it a squirrel. Poor Groundhog did nothing to him. No, I do love. He has sort of a vendetta. I love when he, Phil really has this switching point when he loses it, when he's been reliving this day so many times. I think it's after he tries to woo Rita about a million times. He has his, his certain things he does a lot, and he, he loses it at one point, and he looks at that groundhogs and he, Groundhog, and he assumes it's like the root of all evil and decides that's the only way he's going to end this loop is by taking out this this groundhog really has a vendetta against it. Yeah, I thought one of my favorite parts right away was the the drunk driving scene when he's like, "Friends don't let friends drive," and he like looks at him. He's like, "You're good," and just falls over. <laughs> yeah, that's at the point where he's just like a couple days into this loop, and he just he doesn't really know. And that night, he's really testing the waters, and that's kind of what I had, and I wanted to touch on as well. That is the night that I would probably enjoy the most in the whole movie because he's just at the bowling alley getting drunk with the boys. And then the guy says, who could go for some flapjacks right now? It's like, that's probably what I would do. I'd go hang out at the bowling alley, get drunk, late night pancakes. And then he tries to order, uh, what does he try to order fast food when the cop pulls him over? And the guy in the middle is just like, check and see if they have flapjacks. (laughs) No, I think that was pretty relatable. Uh, I think that's kind of the moment, too, when he realizes he can do whatever he wants and there's no consequences. That's when he's like, I can do whatever I want, and what what do I do now? I don't think it's the, the fact that it's eternity has really sunk in, but Phil realizes he can do whatever he wants. I think that's kind of the a big part of uh, when people watch this movie, like, what would I do You know, if I had to relive the same day? And it shows his patience, too, because it only took him on his, like, third or fourth day to punch Ned in the face. Yes, I, I love <laughs> I Ned love Ryerson. <laughs> I know. I was trying to get some more drops of uh, him saying, like, Phil, Phil Connors. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, I do love, I, he's one of my favorite characters. So obnoxious. I think we all know a Ned Ryerson in our life. I kind of feel bad for, La- is it Larry? The cameraman. Yeah, the cameraman. Just gets yeah. shit on all movie. No matter what the timeline is, that guy can't catch a break. Dude, do you guys watch Shit's Creek? Yeah, that's that's the only thing I like recognize him from. 
That's a, I, I just, knew I, that. Before. I just won like right when I saw him in the movie. I knew that already, but I'm like, damn, I forgot that he's in this, and he still plays the exact same character. He plays that character in anything he's ever been on. The the ugly, um, uncharismatic, uh, rolling shits that everyone gets to make fun of the whole time. Yeah, I. I, I like his character, and then when he gets sold, when they basically have a slave auction for twenty five cents, <laughs> I know and the old lady's like, "I got him," <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he just has to go downtown to Brown Town on that old lady. <laughs> oh God, Jesus! Yeah, the the old lady at the bed and breakfast when she asks him about the weather, and he just goes into his classic weather routine where he's like. Well, the pressure's going to come from the northeast here and just goes into his routine and he's like, "Did you want to talk about the weather or were you just making chit-chat?" He's such an ass. I love that. I love how he he's so rude with that lady all the time, too. I love seeing him interact with the uh, the characters of that town. That's just I love seeing his slow growth though as he's such an ass to everyone. And then um I mean, I just watched the movie just now, but I really do. It is really heartwarming to see him by the end of the movie find a way to like really make everyone's day so much better. Basically, like has an impact on everyone's life in that town, and from his perspective, really just for the hell of it, because he thinks he's just reliving this day over and over again. But he truly learns to love the day, love the people that are around him, and. Like you said, Jordan, I think we're going to get into some of the themes and messages and what this movie is trying to say. And I think it has a few different things to say, um, all relatively positive messages. But I do think there's a lot of takeaways from this movie. Phil learns a lot of lessons and there's a lot. I think there's a lot to be said about it. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, he calls the locals, he calls them Hicks, which is just a classic. It's like an hour away from like one of the bigger cities in the United States, which is funny. Yep, Punxsutawney, just like 80 miles northeast of Pittsburgh. So calls him Hicks, and then he, when they get trapped the first day, he's making the phone calls in the gas station, and a guy walks in with the shovel and just bops him on the head with it. I thought it was a little <laughs> bit of irony, a little bit of karma there. So that's yeah, like, yeah. that really kind of started you know, shaping him into like – one of these underlining meanings, how he grew as a person throughout the movie. Yeah. One of the scenes I do love is when they're at the bar, him and Rita are getting a drink, and he orders a Jim Beam and water. And I wrote in my notes, because I was like going through, and I was illegally streaming it on my phone, so I'd click off of it to go into my notes. And then I would click back into it, and a bunch of pop-ups would come up, and I'd like delete them. And I just wrote, he drinks Jim Beam. I don't trust him. Telltale sign of a bad person? Yes. Yeah, it sounds like he's an alcoholic, and he should go to the therapist in town that he goes to see, and he's like, I have an alcoholic now. <laughs> I, love that. I love that scene with the therapist, and he's like, obviously telling him that he's reliving the same day over and over again. He's like, yeah, well, maybe I can see you again tomorrow. <laughs> and he'll just fuck my life. Going back to like Rita for a second though, when he, uh, I think that's, I'm not sure exactly. I didn't write down, um, in words exactly what each theme of the film is, but I think one thing has to be kind of the difference between, uh, manufacturing and trying to create love and sort of it just happening. And he tries his hardest. I don't think he's trying to fall in love with Rita throughout the film, but he's trying to hook up with her. He's trying to do, he's trying to just have fun. And 
he puts a lot of time and energy into making Rita fall in love with him, learning everything he can about her. And at first he's not doing it um, because he loves her, because he wants to find true love or he's a good person. He just wants to bang her. You know, I think we've all been there. All right. Why, why you gotta be such a, a bitch? But then he learns not exactly at that time, but probably through like a thousand years of living this day over and over again, that he really does love Rita. And, uh, you know, I think that there's something to be said there, his relationship with Rita and uh, what he learns through that. One of the other relationships he had in the movie was with Nancy, Nancy Taylor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love her. And that's when he, when he starts to have a little bit of fun. So let's, let's talk about that sequence. Uh, you know, he, he starts seducing women, having the one night stands cause he doesn't really have any other option. And he, he, uh, does a little robbery of an armored truck. I mean, what, what did you guys like about like the fun stuff he was doing? I just thought it was fun, uh, seeing him take advantage of knowing everything about the day. So you're talking about like the robbery. And I think that's a good example of it starts off with him sitting on the bench, watching, uh, sort of a scene unfold and he's talking out loud, sort of easily understanding what's about to happen. So like, here's a gust of wind. He steps up, he's counting down. He's like dog barking and he's watching, uh, you know, the people that are, are guarding this money. I'm not sure what their titles are, but they're dropping quarters and he's just very aware of everything that's going around him and he's taking advantage of it. So he's able to steal a bunch of money. And so I love that sort of montage of him completely understanding the day and taking advantage of it. And I do love the small town feel cause it is back in the day with like my grandpa's small town, they had the guy that came, the exact same guy that came to pick up the money at the bank. Like, did I have one or two bags? And there was that exact <laughs> same guy in his town. So it's just super relatable. And they're like, Oh, you only had one. Okay. That's fine. Old dudes who just can hardly run are in charge of all the money. Makes sense. And then an, another one that I thought was funny when he steals the groundhog and just that whole sequence is one of my favorites oh, yeah. because one, the cops like aim high. We don't want to hit the groundhog. And then when he steals them, Larry just goes, Oh, he stole the groundhog. What's he going to do with it? Pervert. That's another thing where I was thinking like from their perspective where, uh, you know, Phil has done this, uh, like a thousand times, but they're like Rita, they're watching him do this. And she's like, Phil has completely snapped. And I just think it's hilarious to think like, cause he's, he's, they actually see him sort of slowly. Like he meets up with them for his like live hit or whatever he's doing for the, for the TV station. And he's like talking super dark to the, to the camera. Like, about how this day is never going to end. And you can just tell, like, he is so over it. And I just, I love thinking that, like, seeing from Rita and the cameraman's perspective, like, holy shit, what is wrong with Phil? Goes and steals a groundhog, runs off a cliff and kills himself. Oh, and then, and Larry's like, I think he's okay. And yeah. the car explodes. <laughs> I lo- that part made me just laugh, like, actually out loud to yeah, myself. Yeah, I thought him punching Ned Ryerson in that explosion were the two that would get Matt rolling on the floor. Especially because it took him so little time to just slug Ned. Yeah. Also, at the, <laughs> at the end with Ned Ryerson, he buys all the insurance. Uh-huh. And, and then I think that day he ends the loop. He's stuck paying all those insurance. I thought that too. So much money. (laughs) Another consequences of of that day that he actually ends up uh, continuing. Yeah. When, so 
let's focus of when he starts to lose it and like the reason he did lose it was because he's kind of started going for Rita there for a while like actually seriously going for Rita but one part I just died at when she uh, she said she studied 19th century poem and he just laughs and says like what a waste of time <laughs> or, I know he gambled it back or when uh with Rita, when he gets the drink, he finally gets the drink right, and then she's like, I always drink to world peace. And you can just see in his eyes, he's like, well, I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and then... Oh, I'll keep going. I was just going to say, that's what kind of spiraled him into the darkness, and I did want to talk about just a few of the things he was doing in his dark stage. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Honestly, this movie's PG, by the way, as we start to talk about the dark things he does. I think this is fascinating. This movie's PG. But uh, yeah, for a, such a fun comedy movie, things get like seriously dark. He, they do a full montage of him straight up just killing himself over and over and over again, starting with him driving off the cliff with the groundhog, then grabbing a toaster and walking in or going into the bathtub with it, jumping off a tall building stepping in front of a bus. I mean, just real brutal deaths over and over again. So that's fun. Yes. Toaster bath has actually been the name of my fantasy football team. You know, at the end of the season, when things don't go my way, toast, toaster bath time. Or, or when he starts destroying the alarm clock right away, when he wakes up in the morning and he just, the first day when he toaster baths, he just crushes the alarm clock. That'd be so satisfying to just Gronk spike an alarm clock. And the thing is that it was kind of my first time seeing the movie, and I was like, if this happened to me, I might as well just put that, throw that clock into the bathtub with me. And then he did the toaster thing, so I was like, okay. Dude, that's what I was about to like bring up, is the fact that it really makes you think what it would be like. And this is one of the bigger takeaways I have from the movie, is how long did he spend in that day? Um, and there's a couple nods to it they never say and i i didn't look it up before this but i've read before sort of theories on how long phil connor spends on groundhog groundhog day but at one point he uh he goes and sees a movie with like a girl that he's hooking up with and he said it's his favorite film and he's seen it over a hundred times alluding to the fact that he's he's went to this movie theater and watched this movie a hundred times he's uh one time with rita and he's told her about how he thinks he's a god because he relives relives this day over and over again and he's like playing like this card uh, I'm not sure that what the name of the game is. But he's throwing uh, cards into his hat, and he's really good at it. And he says, to get as good as him, you take like six or seven months of practice, four or six hours a day. So there's a little jokes and nods to how long he's lived this day. And uh, like I said, there's been some like threads online, people talking about ten thousand years, a hundred years, thousand years. You know, just just an unfathomable amount of time to not only be alive, but for the fact that he's doing it the same day over and over again and on his own. I think it's it's one of the more fascinating things about the movie is contemplating living over and over again like that. And his relationship with Rita, too, the ups and downs he has, because it seemed like at one point he was so close, mm -hmm. and he just, like, barrels out, and he gets, like, slapped in the face, like, five days in a row. <laughs> and he, then when he learns the piano, I thought that was a funny scene when... He goes to the piano teacher and he's like, I actually, she's like, I actually have a lesson right now. He's like, I'll give you a thousand dollars. She shuts the door and then just throws the little girl out of the house. I love that scene. I love it. I love at the end of the movie when he's super good at piano and he's like playing in front of the crowd 
and the teacher's watching, and she's like, he's my student. It's his first day. <laughs> yeah. Perfect piano. This is your first day? Yeah, but my father was a piano mover, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's such a good line. What do you got? I was just going to kind of just say towards the end there, he, he starts realizing that, yes, he can manipulate it into his advantage, but he truly becomes a better person, and then that's how – Rita actually finally falls in love with him is because he's just actually truly authentic, authentically better than he was before, not just faking it as, you know, aroused because he probably thinks he's just going to wake up the next day. But I think he truly believed that night, that final scene, when you see him playing the piano and dancing and buying WrestleMania tickets, I mm -hmm. think it all comes full circle there. So it's truly authentic and that's how he gets out of it. So uh, I, I totally agree. I, that's what I love about, love about this movie is the uh, genuine change in him and that I do feel that Phil Connors isn't just, you know, going to wake up the next day and become a mass murderer or, you know, something. He truly cares about these people in this town, even though he may be living there for uh, the rest of eternity. Uh, he really changes and cares about him. And I, I love that. I think a uh, part that I wanted to bring up that may be a part of uh, a big change for him, a big change in his character is when he decides to put a lot of time and energy into helping this homeless man, uh, that he ends up calling him like dad and pop. Um, and anyways, when he s decides to start caring for this homeless guy, he he'll die during this day. And he's putting a, he's trying as hard as he can to save this guy's life. Um, and there's a, there's a sad montage of him taking him to the hospital. I'm giving him some food. Uh, you know, another day where he's giving him CPR, a lot and of cash, gives him a lot of cash. And I just, it's a, it's a bit of a sad scene. It kind of gets me choked up a little bit watching him care for this, this old man. But I think that was a big turning point for him. One thing I will say, if you do notice in the movie, that homeless guy, like, notices him uh, in one scene when he walks by. He's like, I'll get you tomorrow. The guy, like, kind of, you can see the homeless guy react in a way that shows that he's like, I recognize that guy as if he's seen him before. And that may be part of the slow progression of he's getting out of the loop. Mm -hmm. If you notice that, I don't know if you noticed that, Riley, but, you know, I, I saw, like, the homeless guy, yeah, he just makes a motion as if he notices him, and it kind of is the start of the change. I feel like this is a movie that if you watch a bunch, which you have, Riley, that you pick up something new every single time you watch it. There's a lot of subtle things, um, not just in, like, jokes, but nods to reoccurring things in a day or yeah it is one of those movies that you get to pick up something new every time also the a, a weird thing i thought of was when they're having the snowball fight with the kids and he's yelling like are you guys up for adoption i should adopt you and i'm just like eh, what are you talking well, i think <laughs> i'll agree that he's a complete creep but i think at that point you that's him showing his frustration with just retrying that scene so many times because the first they show the first time the snowball scene happens and it's genuine and it's a genuine moment between him and rita and then the next time that you know he retries it and it's him re trying to recapture the magic and he learns that he can't just fake it fake it till he makes it what I wanted really? to say is that I like, uh, you know, there's some takeaways from this movie, messages about being a better person. And I think it's not, the messages aren't shoved down your throat sort of in a spiritual way. I, uh, I like that they don't hand fist maybe a sort of a religious message of, um, like there is no real reason why Phil's stuck in this day. He's not told flat out what he did wrong or what he needed to do. The movie doesn't tell you what he did right. 
you just see him become a better person and move on. And that's a good enough takeaway. But I, I just like that. It's subtle enough that it's not like a big force. Like God may have put him in this situation that he needed to do uh, a certain thing to move on. I like that. It was just subtle enough of a message. I'm just going to finish up with my, the best jokes I came up with are from the movie. And then we're going to get into our groundhogs day. When he's talking to Ned Ryerson, he says, "Do you did you turn pro with that belly button thing?" <laughs> yeah, that's great. When he's talking to the bartender, he says, "Can I have one more of these, but with booze in it?" When he's out going out to the movies, he says, "I told you, call me Bronco." <laughs> <laughs> and when he's when he's playing Jeopardy, what is Titty Kaka Rome? Oh, dude, I love that Jeopardy scene. I forgot to bring that up. Absolutely dynamite. What would you guys do on your Groundhog Day? Say it's at you know the day after you went out bowling with the guys, you get a DUI, you wake up the next day in your bed, there's no harm, no foul. What are you doing? I'm doing it's heroin. Matt. Okay. I'm glad somebody <laughs> else said it first. Yeah, I am doing every sort of ayahuasca tea with my shaman. I'm doing whatever drugs I possibly can that are... I'm drinking a gallon of bleach. I'm trying what? whatever uh, I possibly can. That could... Is drinking bleach like a good time to you? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I haven't tried it. Like I have days to try it. Knowing me though, or my luck, I would, <laughs> I would be like, okay, I'm going to overdose on crack and then I would die. And then the next day would actually come. So you're just dead. But I, I would do, I would steal money from the bank almost every day, and like what he does, buy that bitch in car. Uh, I would definitely, yeah. I would definitely have months of just debauchery before I was like, okay, fine. And granted, that's what Phil Col- Col- Connors does. Ryan Eggs, what yeah. are you doing on your Groundhog Day, man? And I don't know if I have a good, a real good answer, but um, I think Phil kind of sums up sort of things I would go through because. Uh, I think I would try and have fun with it. Maybe be like Matt and go do drugs or try and have fun with it. Eventually, I think I would just lose my mind. So that's all I can fixate on is that I would end up killing myself like Phil Connors over and over again. Um, Maybe, I mean, find something to do. I know I'd probably end up like trying to better myself like Phil too. Learn some skills. I want to learn how to play piano, but I wouldn't stay in the same town. Travel the country the best I could. Oh man, I don't know. It's a nightmare. Honestly, it's just a nightmare when I think of this. And uh, as much as I love this movie, my biggest fear is eternity, like never being able to stop. Like Phil just is trapped in that day. So I don't, I, I would try and do and have fun and do something, but God, that'd be a nightmare to relive the same day over and over and over again for eternity. I'm glad you said that, Ryan Eggs, because when you think about it, you're like, oh, this would be awesome. And it's like, well, no, not really. Like, everything is predicted after a few, even just a few days, you know, even a month in, everything is pretty predictable. However, that being said. Do you think I'm acting like this because I'm egocentric? What I would do is, I've already thought about this. All right, I'm going to withdraw all of my money. I'm going to you know, get out of every investment I have, checking, savings, you know, the cash that I have under the pillow, everything. I'm getting on the first flight because he wakes up at 6 a.m., correct? And I think that's, that would be the starting point. He wakes up at 6 a.m., first flight to Las Vegas or Miami, okay? 
Then I'm going to yeah. take the Matt Cleary approach. I'm going to find the nearest drug dealer, okay? Then I'm going to do those drugs. <laughs> if I'm not too fucked up from those drugs, I'm going to go gamble. And I've thought about this really deep. Do you think it's the same thing over and over? If you went to the same roulette table at the same time every day, it would just be the same number. So you could go up to it, make all your money. And then there's so many roulette tables in Las Vegas and America and the world that, you know, you're never going to run out of variation. So I'd gamble penthouse, sweet heroin, crack cocaine roulette. Let's go. And see, that's a thing that I don't, get about the movie because he never stays up until 6 a.m. So you don't know if he stays up, if it breaks the cycle or anything. Yeah, Cause I'm like, sure he's trying. Because the movie like Palm Springs, which is basically the same movie, he stays up for three days straight on crystal meth. You do not degrade Groundhog Day with that slander. But he, Yeah, I like Palm Springs. Yeah, but then he just wakes up and it goes back to that day. So I don't know if, if you can stay up. And it's when you fall asleep, you wake up. But Harold Ramis would roll over in his grave if he heard what you just said. Jesus Christ, Matt. <laughs> together for one episode. Red Baron pizzas suck. Let's get into that then. Red Baron review. Ryan Eggs, can you explain the Red Baron review quick? You know what a Red Baron pizza is? All right, Red Baron, uh, Red Baron, Red Baron review, Jesus Christ, is... Um, uh, a way that I like to review my movies, uh, my weekly reviews, I'll give, if you understand what a single serving pizza is, it's smaller than a regular size pizza. Red Baron's uh, specialize in single serving pizzas. So I give a one out of five single serving Red Baron pizza um, review to a movie. If it's shitty, you know, it's getting a one greatest movie that you love. It's in the fives that kind of thing. And I go by quarters too. So I'll cut the pizza down the middle twice. So you can give it like a 3.5, a 3.75 out of five, that kind of thing. Everybody out there, uh, get the gist. No more. It's like a seven. Um, I give, I give it, I guess a seven, I guess. So my red Baron, I'm going to the grocery store and I'm getting pepperoni and I'm throwing five of those bastards in the oven. Get a girl. And I'm eating three and a half of them and throwing the rest away. 3.5. Sometimes when I puke a shit. That's all right, man. I mean, I don't know about You're a pussy. about that, but. Was that, was that Walt Jr.? Why, why you gotta be such a, a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about breaking last episode, so I got some. Got some Walt Jr. drops. Yeah, I, I listened to that. What was your final review score? Uh, three and a half, three point five. Alrighty, Ryan. That's a, that's a slap in the face. <laughs> I, you know, I think you should know what mine's going to be, but I, I've had my Red Barons ready to go. I pulled them out of the freezer. Um, these are regular cheese, nothing on them. I'm going to cook these in the oven about ten minutes. I want them golden and crispy. I'm going to take these out, give them a good sniff. Mm, it smells so goddamn good. No more. That's not what I was going for, but uh, oh. there it is. And uh, I'm going to get some Parmesan cheese on here, put some Red's Hot, uh, Frank's Red's Hot, is that what I'm talking about? Oh. And I'm going like, to oh. cut these up into some fours, 
I'm going to get Coda a little bib, and both him and I are going to enjoy some all five of these Red Baron pizzas. We're talking about a full, hard-on pizza. Five out of five, all right? So, but what if a movie's better than Groundhog's Day? What do you give it? I mean, no, a movie isn't better than Groundhog's Day. It's my favorite comedy of all time. But the, uh, to get a five, it doesn't have to be my favorite movie of all time. It just has to be pretty close to what I consider a relatively perfect film. Okay, I'm, I'm, my Red Baron scale is on a figure skating scale, so 3.5 is a hell of a movie, but there's always room for improvement. I appreciate that. I understand that. All right, one thing I can tell you for certain, this movie is definitely on the higher end of the Red Baron pizza scale. It is not on the lower end blood sausage scale. Okay, that's what I can tell you for certain. That being right. said... I love me some classic Red Barons. As you may know this, Ryan Eggs and fellow listeners, I come from a Red Baron family. Been slicing them up for years. We like them. Lather them up. Vax it. Vax it. <laughs> Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Now, I'm more of a ranch. More of a ranch oh, guy with the old Red Barons. I'm going to have to go with 4.5 Red Baron Review. And that's just a no-brainer right there. you got to be in the fours to be with, to sit with the cool kids. So sorry, Matt. Oh, you dirty cactus. That's what I'm talking about. Texas I, respect them. I love respect this on my movie. Neck. There are so many more jokes I could go through. Uh, I don't even have to floss. Uh, you're incredible. Who told you? Uh, How would you sleep without me? Well, you know, just so many. Yeah, I could talk about this movie forever. There are so many things to take away from it, so many things to talk about and little jokes here and there, so. Yeah, I love it. I love this movie. I'm glad we got to talk about it. I'm now joined by my co-host and founder of Cleary's Comments, Matthew Cleary. We're going to get into the segment where we banter about random things. Cleary, why don't you uh, guide us into this venture? I came up with this one earlier this week, and I wanted to know your honest opinion. Shoot me. How many beers do you think you have drank in your life? 12-ounce beers. Honest guess. Probably in the 10,000s to so 20,000s. I was, was going to say, like, every day since I was nine, 30 beers a week. Yeah, you do the math. I don't know the math, but you do it. Oh, but then, and then I was like, okay, how much has I spent on booze? I have no idea. I'm going to say, like, 10,000. Worth it. Uh, at, 30,000 by now. Are you fucking with me? There was one month where I looked at my credit card statement, and in one week, I had spent, or one month, I spent $700 at the lodge. That's that's because you support your local businesses, and that's what everybody else should do. They should support their local businesses. Go to the lodge, go to your local bar, you know, get a $700 tab, and then tip that server out the ass because they deserve it and they need it and you don't need it because you're at the lodge spending 700 goddamn that, this dollars this is when i was in college <laughs> i was like i like got my credit card statement and then like next month half was like hey you want to go to the lodge and i was like uh no i probably shouldn't yeah i thought of a new term that you can use if you go to the bars and get a little too drunk you know you get a little too hammered you get plastered you get annihilated bundled you get blitzkrieg bopped that's great bop. Yeah, you just get a little blitzkrieg bop going on in your action. 
That that was my clearest comments. Okay. I came up with a new term to call us getting drunk. Let's well, bring bopped. I usually just grab like whatever state. You'd be like, fuck, I got Wyoming the last weekend. I'm like, eh, you're a coal miner and just drank too much. My favorite soccer team, Arsenal, on the sleeve of their jersey, it says visit Rwanda.com. No, just visit Rwanda. Should I, we? No. Why not? Okay, I say Rwanda. What do you think of? Don Cheadle. Is Don Cheadle from Rwanda? No, but he was the main (laughs) actor in the movie Hotel Rwanda. Okay, well, I think of... You say Rwanda, I think Don Cheadle. I thought you were going to say genocide, so I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere where people get... That's probably what I should think of, but I don't, and that's maybe a good thing. that That's not what I think of, but Hotel Rwanda is about genocide, so... Technically, yeah, Don Cheadle, Hotel Rwanda, genocide, it's all the same. Yeah, I don't want to go to Rwanda. If anything, African country you have to go to, go right away. Kenya. Why? That's like Zimbabwe. It's South Africa. Madagascar. Oh, Madagascar would be a good one, actually. I bet they have some tourists. Chad. I want to go to a place that's tourism as can be because I don't want to get hacked to death by machetes. Being a scuba diver back in the day would suck. Those heavy ass helmets that, like, if it, if water gets through, you're fucked. No, that's not even like the. What is the problem? The Loch Ness monster. Yes, we could talk about fictional monster Let's, monsters. Sasquatch had its spot last week. Let's not give yeah, the Loch Ness eat any a, spots eat a this week. Dick Sasquatch. So you're in this huge metal helmet, metal-ish suit, and you're tied to a rope. If that rope breaks, you just sink to the bottom, and they can't get you. And is, that, is that how it worked? Like you're just hanging off a rope from a boat that's just pulling you up because well, you're, you're so heavy? And that rope is a tube that has air. So it's basically a garden hose that goes in, and if that breaks, uh, the movie, I think it's A Few Good Men, but I know there's a movie where a guy falls overboard when he's like getting ready. And they're just like, can't do anything. And as you go deeper, your body starts to like hit that compression. Your body probably just explodes. Is it that movie where they go on the plane and then the reptiles get loose? That snakes on a plane, probably in my top five. But that's not the movie you're talking about? No. Yeah, being an old school scuba diver, yeah, sounds absolutely terrible why, and scary. Why would you, okay, put that mask on, but don't put anything else on. So if it does break, take the mask off. Even you go up, you get the bends, you throw up, you puke, you shit. Worst case scenario. I don't even need the bends to do that. Worst case Ontario. <laughs> what if the person on top just started pouring beer down? And that's funny we mentioned that because we were just talking about beer bongs. Five minutes before recording, we're bringing them back. 2021, the year we bring back beer bongs. And Matt just pukes everywhere all over his Yeah, basement. it usually goes down way too fast and just, that's a lot of foam. And I just Spencer Fletcher and vomit all over the room. I don't want to preemptively set any rules here, but I'm going to. You got to take the beer bong in the bathroom. If you're going to yak, yak in the jacuzzi tub. Just set painter's tarp on part of the room so we can throw it away. Exactly. Like us on Facebook. I mean, you can do that if you want, but I signed out of Facebook and I just don't think I'm ever signing back in. So I think our Facebook might be dead. The only thing I like doing on Facebook is going through the suggested friends. Isn't that awesome? Oh, yeah. Uh, That's the only cool thing about Facebook. So there was a guy 
back in they had that like the Nazi Charleston or not Charleston, but Charlottesville, Virginia. Where, where is this going? Okay. Well, it was Charlottesville, Virginia or whatever. They had that Nazi march. Okay. And I looked up the guy because like looking up the story. So I searched it on Facebook. I had two mutual friends with the guy from Fargo. Small world. Okay. Right, right on. Yeah. Facebook. Uh, I think Matt's story just a moment ago proved how fucking terrible Facebook is. Well, and I also do what? like it's like you're what are we one, talking about, man? You're you're like one connection away from being friends with a neo-Nazi, <laughs> and also I have this theory that everyone is one connection away. You know someone in your phone. You have a contact in your phone of someone that could get you meth. For sure. Everyone in the United States. It all depends on their definition of the word dope. Like me and you use the word dope. It's probably like cool, excellent, awesome. You could use the word dope as in just like somebody who's just low life. Or you could use the word dope as in meth. And if that's how you use the word dope, let's just not be friends. I think it'd be best. Unless we're in a Groundhog Day scenario, then let's be friends. But if not, let's not be friends. Uh, Do you have any contacts in your phone that... You look through and you're like, who the hell is that? It's just like one I thing. actually am one of those people. I keep a pretty good. I keep it clean. I scrub the contacts every once in a while. Okay. Well, or if I'm going through them and I see someone who's like, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to talk to him again, and I hope I don't. So I just double down and I just delete the number. Oh. Okay. There's there's people out there though who do not delete any numbers at all. That's me. I'm just afraid of getting drunk and like accidentally calling them or texting them. That's my biggest fear. Like, hey, Richie, remember me from 14 years ago? That was fun. Next week, I'll bring up some numbers I have in my phone because I don't delete any. Uh, I have some one-name numbers. There's one guy in here that's Bowling Alley guy. Don't know his name. Don't know who he is, but Bowling Alley guy. India is the least athletic country of all time. Why do you say that? I'm not disagreeing. I just want a little bit of... Proof. So I was going through the 2016 Olympics. Okay. Medal count. Okay. India had two medals. One was in some sort of archery slash skiing related contest. Uh, in 2012, I think they had one and it was in air rifle. Yes. In 2016, they had... So India's really good at wrestling, actually. They have, they have a couple guys that are like really high up in the ranks, but they won a bronze in women's wrestling... And a silver in singles badminton. To preface this, India has 18 to 20% of the world's population. India is very saturated with people who are talented mentally, I would say. How, do, uh, is that how you would say it? Like if, if I don't want to say if they're, not a, like, they're not athletic, but like they have such a high population. They're very smart people. They're culturally rich. They have, they're just so packed in there, and they're smart, and they can be a powerhouse in certain aspects of the world. When one, it comes one, to the Olympics, yeah, however. Yeah, <laughs> 1.4 billion people, and then, like, uh, this guy's a computer programmer. I think he could probably throw a shot put for us if you want. I'm just trying really hard to not do my Habib impression right now. Habib? Hello, my name is Habib. So when I worked at the golf course... We had recently got these computers instead of just the cash, reg- cash register. And Loudmouth Golf was a big thing. 
and a guy I worked with thought it was funny to do like the porn parodies and went to loadmymouth.com. Got a shitload of malware on our computer, and we had to have Geek Squad come in and like scrub, <laughs> get brand new computers. That is so cliche of you and the people you worked with at the golf course. Just old school has the old cash registers where you have to pencil it down at the end of the day in the spreadsheet. Finally upgrade, and what do you do? Loadmymouth.com. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, it was the guy that was like, oh, what should we call this porn parody of uh, Star Wars? He goes, Star Wars, Luke Guy Shocker. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Things got gay pretty quick there. Star Wars, Revenge of the Balls. Will he wank me in the chocolate factory? We're supposed to save that for a special occasion, but I'm going to let it fly given the context of the conversation. Yeah, we should get some road beers. Okay, 13 beers to go, please. So I'm going on a road trip next week. Don't worry, people. The podcast will be on schedule as usual. Matt and I have worked very hard to make sure of that. But I am departing Bismarck, North Dakota next Tuesday. I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Yes, you heard that right. Two weeks. So you should all go to Instagram, follow our page, NBNH Pod, or type in No Brains, No Headache Podcast. I have a lot of stops planned, a few of which are going to be I'm going to the Devil's Tower in Wyoming, going for a little hike. I'm going to see Denver correspondent Andy. We're going to go to the Barstool Sportsbook. I'm going to camp in Utah. Last time I was in Utah, I did a little acid. I mean, I shit my pants, but I grew as a person spiritually. So looking to repeat, minus the shitting pants part. I'm going to go down in Arizona. I'm going to see our boy Dev down there. Going to watch the Super Bowl. Check out Top Golf. It's going to be a lot of fun. Zip over to New Mexico camping for a night if i don't do meth i want to get into a cage fight that's also huge there too back to denver with correspondent andy and then i'm gonna finish it all up in south dakota got a cabin rented with the fam i got a hot tub ready to go i'm gonna get drunk as shit i'm gonna post on the instagram page it's gonna be adventurous so everybody go follow me we're going to national parks we're going for hikes we're going camping we're gonna see our friends we're gonna have drinks it's gonna be so beautiful it's gonna be fun going to be an awesome time i'm really looking forward to it so you mentioned new mexico uh where are you going in new mexico do you know that part i haven't planned for sure because it's after i spent five days in arizona so i have that time to talk to people figure it out it's i'm really not looking for anything too great i just like to break up my drives because without stopping in those certain places it's like 12 hours at a time which that shit gets boring after a while yeah, I, I mean i think what's the longest you've driven in one day like 12 hours or so, okay. I would yeah, say. Yeah, I, I think I max out at like nine. I can only do so much at a time. Plus, if it's like a two-week vacation, I just kind of want to see the countryside. I do want to just, I know New Mexico is like not that great. Some people might disagree with me. And if so, please tell me why it's awesome. I will go check it out and see so myself. But I just want to check it off the list of, hey, I camped a night in New Mexico like that's, you know, you always make the goal to get to all 50 of anything you do. At least I want to. I've camped in a bunch of different states. New Mexico would be a great one to knock off the list. So it's going to be a lot of fun. If anybody has any podcast recommendations or audiobook recommendations, shoot them at us. Matt, I'll save it for you. I see you every day until I leave. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Go to our Instagram, follow us. I'm going to post so many pictures. 
And I think I'm just going to go up to everybody at Devil's Tower and ask them if they've seen aliens until somebody says yes. So, And then NBNH podcast, so you should check it out. Yeah. New Mexico, all I think of is the movie Rat Race when they go to Silver City. Is that where they're at? Yeah, that's where they race to. Okay. And, and the guy falls asleep going into the locker, that guy. And, and in New Mexico, so the house that Breaking Bad was filmed at, they had to put a cage around it. I don't know why I said cage, a fence around it, because people kept going there and throwing pizzas on the roof. Classic. That that how they threw that pizza on the roof and have that like iconic picture is just so perfect. Well, did you know that it wasn't supposed to happen like that? Really, it was like I don't know much. I, people are going to crucify me for this. I haven't really watched Breaking Bad. Oh, it's so good, and so he gets out and he's disheveled because his wife kicked him out. And he goes, and he's supposed to just throw the pizza, and he throws it, and it slips out of the box and yep. goes onto the roof. And that was the only time it happened. And they kept that, and it's probably top three iconic Breaking Bad moments. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's crazy. So, I mean, if you get there, take a picture of it. Is it in Santa Fe, Albuquerque? Uh, I think it's in Albuquerque. I'll look it up because I haven't planned that portion, and I will be at – Talking Stick Casino and Resort when we record uh, episode 39-ish, something in there. Matt and I will be recording. I'll be down at the casino. Um, I'll look it up, and if it pans out, because the beautiful part is I have that whole day to do whatever I want. I kind of want to go hike somewhere in New Mexico, and, yeah, like I said, just camp and and just say I did it. Say, hey, I was I camped in New Mexico, motherfucker. Have you camped in New Mexico? I don't think we're ever going to get to a situation where it's like, all right, Captain New Mexico, you're safe. If you haven't, you're not safe. Hey, if you get a podcast guest for New Mexico, I think that's something we're never going to touch. So uh, my last Cleary's comment, and this one is a doozy. Do you remember how historically shitty our fourth grade traveling basketball team was? Was we, that the year we won fourth place and went no, berserk? We, we went 0-24. Oh. Our fourth grade year and our fifth grade year, we went to Beulah, North Dakota to a tournament. Okay, that's the year. That's what I'm thinking of. And we beat a team from Washburn, North Dakota. And we're from Bismarck, like a town that you could grab some people from. And the team was full of second, third, and fourth graders. And we beat them by three. Yeah, I, I don't remember a whole lot of success throughout our whole tenure during elementary school basketball, that I can tell you for sure. I do remember winning fourth place due to a three-way tie and a coin flip, and then on the way home of said tournament, we blared, we are the champions on the way home. So I honestly don't know how our coaches did it, like our fourth. You see, I'm holding my finger here. Our medal was that big. Our medal was the size of a quarter. All I remember from the Beulah trip is, Beating this Washburn team that was full of, like, second graders who weren't good at basketball. And our team's like, yeah, let's just run our offense. It's good. Our offense sucked. We had three plays. And a kid on our team, we go down to the locker room. We're like, nice, we have a locker room. It wasn't a locker room. Our locker room. It was just a locker room. He took a shit in the bathroom, flooded the entire locker room. I remember that. And their weight room was on the stage. And the guys that were refing. We're just drunk. Thinking back on it, they were either high school kids or still drunk from the night before. And I completely respect their decision. 
what what comes to mind is I had a mean hook shot when we were young. Uh, feed me the rock at the low post. It didn't matter if that guy was a foot taller than me. It didn't matter, okay? You can't defend the hook shot, and I did it in a way that just was majestic and flawless. I also remember... Our coaches would make us run a lot at practice. It was oh, like, oh, you guys, you, you guys lost. Like, Absolutely terrible. I don't know if you know this, but we suck at basketball. Like, it's not coming back from me. Like, we're not going to beat a team that's full of a bunch of AAU kids and their parents pay $30,000 a year to have them on this team. It turns out running the piss out of kids does not equate to success on the old basketball court. And I don't know if you knew this, but our fifth grade year, we got those jerseys, the Rebels. Yeah, those are women's jerseys. Yeah, I was just about to say, that was a women's basketball team that they just like, oh, we got, like, oh, nice, we're the Rebels. And like, wow, this fits kind of snug. I'm like, yeah. that was a high school women's team that probably got sent to prison or folded. Yeah, I had to fight off some demons the week I found out they were women's jerseys, but... Should we get into the Olympics this week? We went with the Olympics of stadium snacks, kind of a mutual decision here. If you don't know how the Olympics works, we start with uh, disqualified. If you don't like something of the category we went with, you can do that. Then we work in ascending order by creating our podium. Lost in the middle round, bronze, silver, gold. Olympics of stadium snacks. Matt, why don't you get started? Okay. Well, uh, right as you said this, I had a note down that, and this this rings true. There are a few exceptions. The better the snack, the funnier it is to see someone fall with said snack and just eat shit. Yeah, well, when we get to my gold, you won't think that's very funny. So thanks for bringing up bad memories. I do have to apologize before we get started. Last week, I was running out of steam in the Olympics of sayings. Uh, I don't know. I just didn't give my heart and soul so this week, I promise, 110% effort. I had a couple DQs. Did you have any? My one DQ was popcorn. Uh, I don't hate popcorn necessarily, but it's just so basic, and it's fucking messy. You, you're an arena worker. We have another arena worker here. Cleaning up popcorn fucking sucked. You're wondering why they sold popcorn at fucking arenas or stadiums. It was absolutely stupid. Popcorn is good when you're, like, not drinking at a at a game, popcorn's good at a bar when you can just snack on it. And it's but free. Yeah, I don't want a huge thing of popcorn. Also, giant pickles. Never did that. I I saw it at the Cubs game. Giant pickles were six dollars. A huge thing of like I don't want to eat a pickle. It's not fried or anything. It just comes on a stick, and it's great, great for them because they paid what four cents for that pickle. I think people probably paid them to take the pickles off their yeah. hands. And to kind of piggyback off your popcorn, Cracker Jacks. Yeah, I think that was before our generation where they're a lot uh, more popular and kids liked them a lot more because they came with entertainment as well as a snack. Yeah, but Cracker Jacks suck, and I don't want to eat them at any sort of game unless you get, like, a toy at the bottom. You're alluding to Rookie of the Year where the owner keeps finding shit in his Cracker Jacks, aren't you? Yes, Honestly, never even tried them. I've I've tried Cracker Jacks. Okay, it's basically yeah. fucking caramel corn. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not as good yeah. as actual caramel corn. That's yeah. That's all. It is. And, yeah. It, and like, honestly, if I if it still came with a snack, I would get it. I'd buy the Cracker Jacks, dump the bag out, take the snack, and just keep it. My loss in the metal round. You might hate this. Brat slash hot dog. 
I'm going to group them in together. Foot long, perhaps? Yes. They're so good at games because you get that a foot long hot dog. I don't care if I pay like $14 for it. Me neither. And you get the toppings on it that are sitting out for days. That's how they become so good. I know. You just huck like I I, I don't even it. like relish, but I'll put relish oh, on a hot dog at yep. a ballpark. Big time. Big time. Because I hate, I'm, I hate because I'm an American. Yeah, I will put every single topping they have in that on that hot dog. Yeah. Cond- oh, but condiments are free. Dinner's extra. Nothing is better than sitting at a game and just hammering a brat or a hot dog. I, I thought about hot dog. I couldn't pull the trigger. I will say, though, it is just like the most classic. If you want to feel good, you want the whole ballpark experience, especially a baseball game, you're going to want to get a hot dog. My lost in the metal round, I don't know if this is more local than uh, national or perhaps international. Candied almonds. Us here in Bismarck, we have it at our local venue and you, you get the smell as you walk in, you get the flavor, you get the diabetes, fuck me up, candy almonds, lost in the metal round. Uh, candy almonds, smell is better than the taste. I can eat a couple of them. I don't want to buy them, though. I want to steal a couple from the person, but great pick. The one thing I will say, two things, actually, one thing, Olympics is open for interpretation, by the way. So you can have whatever you want on your podium at home, make your own. No judgment here, except judge a lot. Secondly, stadium snacks, we all know that they're going to cost like $19 a piece. So we kind of set that aside. Matt and I did not let money affect our decisions. I do, I do love the stadium snacks. Like uh, at Twins games, they have a Bloody Mary that has a piece of pizza or like a hamburger. The extravagant Bloody Marys are yeah. classic. Is that your No, okay? no, absolutely not. My bronze medal, hot pretzel. A solid I, pick right there. I love a hot pretzel. The huge pieces of salt they have on them. Maybe you get a little thing of nacho cheese or caramel to dip it in. Even shitty pretzels that are just like hard as shit and you like break them open. They still taste good. Yeah, they make specific salt for the pretzels. And you know that's good. They're size of like boulders. <laughs> the salt cubes you mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like sugar cubes with salt cubes yeah. <laughs> on and you get one. And you're electrolyted up for two days straight. Another solid pick. It came on the radar. Just I couldn't pull it. My bronze medal is the ice cream in a baseball helmet. First of all, we wonder why America is so obese that we, you know, we don't bat an eye, pun intended, at people eating a bucket of fucking ice cream. You know, I, I don't get it, but I think it's awesome because you get the souvenir. You're satisfied. I guarantee your hands are sticky. The fucking ice cream melted. You went home. Look, we got a Cleveland Indians helmet. There was ice cream in there at one point. Everybody look at the helmet. There was ice cream in there at one point. Jordan, I'm the only one in the room. You don't have to say look at it. Dippin' Dots? I'm out on Dippin' Dots. They were good. They make my tongue feel weird. And plus, I tried to order some, and you have to keep them at very low temperatures, so I can't do that. Because I don't have a specialty freezer. I thought of Dippin' Dots, but no, I'm not classifying them as ice cream in a baseball helmet. Two completely different things. I'm glad you brought it up because it did come on the radar, but I'm sticking to my guns. Bronze medal, ice cream in a baseball helmet. Also, side story, when I was in, we were in the seventh grade, someone had Dippin' Dots as their 
science project. Could you close the yearbook? Someone had someone had Dippin' Dots as their side or as their sci- science project. And I don't think they did anything. They just gave everyone Dippin' Dots and got an A, and I got a C plus for making up a yeah, bunch of Yeah, they didn't make Dippin' Dots. They just bought Dippin' Dots and said they made it for their science project. Well, they just gave out samples of Dippin' Dots. I mean, dynamite. Yeah, you're going to win the fucking science fair when you butter the balls of the judges with fucking Dippin' Dots every year. Okay, my silver medal, nachos. Nachos are great. Add a game full of chips and the cheese. I don't want that. I wait, want- wait, 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 wait. Let's specify a little further. You're saying the side pool of cheese or the cheese on the chips? Which one are you saying? I want the cheese on the chips. Okay. I want the cheese. I like when you get it in that hot dog carrier, like the, the little square. The container. boat. They call them boats. Yeah, boats. I want that. Chips, shitload of cheese. They throw some meat on there. You can have the toppings like you do on hot dogs. I want that. Messy as shit. When you're drunk, not great because I spill it all over myself, but it's such a good stadium snack that i couldn't leave it off my podium so i just i don't want to get too off subject here but where would you rank straight up nacho cheese doritos with just shredded cheese melted on them those kind of nachos you know what i'm talking about oh the microwave microwave nacho cheese nachos poor man nachos dynamite snack is that better than stadium nachos almost it's up there it's so much easier i mean given the context in the setting i think poor man nachos outweigh stadium nachos every day of the week oh and the thing is i like drizzle ranch on it or oh wow barbecue sauce like i do something vax it vax it vax it i do something with it that's just good fair enough and i i love stadium nachos like fucking give me a boat and it's like the first chip is so much meat and then at the bottom of it you're like okay i'm just eating chips you need like a fork at the end yeah give me that I love the pick all around. My silver medal of Olympics of Stadium Snacks here on No Brains, No Headache podcast. I'm going to go with chicken nugs with the drink combo, but also like a super fancy dipping sauce platform. It's like it's like a cone that goes over the top of the drink that also has a spot for dipping sauce. Am I making sense here? Yeah, that's you know what I'm talking that, about. That's a great pick, and it leads into my gold medal because my gold medal Go ahead. is chicken strip basket. Okay, my gold medal is nachos. So me and okay, you the, were the, overcooked, the, undercooked. Yeah, great. Like right but okay, the chicken strip basket is so good because they give you those wedges usually, and you get a a side of ketchup or ranch or barbecue sauce, and then you can grab more. And it's just, it's such, it's a meal. It's a good meal. And the chicken strips are always phenomenal. I've never had bad chicken strips at a game. Honestly, if 2024 doesn't work out for a presidential election, we should just nominate chicken strips for 2028 because it is the safest bet you can ever go with. Be hard pressed. Tell me otherwise. I've like rarely had bad chicken nuggets or strips. I've never had chicken nuggets at a game. Excuse I've, me. I've, chicken strips. You, you can realistically define them however you want. It's a slab of chicken deep fried at the end of the day. But, excuse me, chicken strips. Oh, there is a wild difference. For President difference. 2028, hard press tell me otherwise, safe bet. The wild difference between chicken strips, chicken nuggets. Excuse me, I meant chicken strips. You can never go wrong with chicken strips. My bad on the chicken nuggets. Tell you me you about can your, go wrong with chicken Tell me about nuggets. your nachos. Okay. 
So I'm kind of referring to the nachos at the Ralph Inglestead Arena, where my alma mater, the University of North Dakota, formerly the Fighting Sioux, now the Fighting Hawks, they play hockey, uh, plenty of national championships under the old belt. First of all, about nachos, if they get stuck together, it's one nacho. I couldn't live with myself if I went through this whole segment talking about nachos and didn't mention that. It's very that, that should have been on our sayings last week. Absolutely. I don't know why it wasn't, but here we are in it today. So Ralph Ingolstead Arena has some power play nachos, right? They're the classic. They come in like a fucking popcorn bucket, like a... Like, you go to KFC, you get a bucket of chicken. That's what these fucking nachos come in. They're fucking awesome. Filled to the top? I mean, it's not a whole chicken bucket, but it's like a bucket of nachos. Power play nachos. Less less spilled. All sorts of nacho cheese. There's chips. You, you got the taco meat. Like you said, Matt, you can really make it how you want. The world is your oyster. Why wasn't that on our sayings last week? Is this Olympics of sayings or Olympics of stadium snacks? I'm so goddamn confused right now. The nachos, however... You know, it's not a joke, okay? You need to keep two hands on the nachos at all times because I was in Grand Forks one time, and I had to work that night, and the old hockey team was playing. And if you're in college and you're not at the local hockey game, you're really missing out. FOMO. So one of my buddies, they text me, they said, you know, we're fucked up. We want to leave the game. It's fucking January. It's fucking cold out. I'm like, all right, I'll come get you. I'm in a terrible mood, but I know these guys want to party, so I go get them. In my car, like, I eat, like, one power plate nacho because they come out with a bucket of power plate nachos. A few minutes into the ride, all of a sudden, there is power plate nachos all over my car. What, did that come with a hand grenade on the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a fucking mess. Bottom. And it was one of those breaking points where I was in such a bad mood. It was the worst timing ever that I, I didn't, no, I didn't break. <laughs> I broke in the sense of I just started laughing because it was like, fuck me running, God. <laughs> this is what you do to me. I'm nice enough to go pick up my friends and they just spill power play goddamn nachos all over my car. It was funny and it just kind of shows you just got to roll with the punches and take it as you are. And yeah, my goal is nachos. I love it. One thing I want to talk about hamburgers at a game. What do you think of them? Not great. They're usually just fucking steamed up. Yep. That's what I was saying. Like, However, I will say when you're fucking starving, say you have about 15 beers in the old stomach, uh, anything tastes good. You need to get a cheeseburger. If you get a hamburger at a game. Oh, if it come, if your hamburger comes on a boat, it's no good. Your hamburger is way better if it's wrapped in like that tinfoil wrapping. Yeah, hands down. I would take a one that sits in a gas station for 15 hours over that steamed piece of shit that they give on a hard bun. Speaking of hamburgers, I love how it's like hamburger, $9, cheeseburger, $327. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's whoa! Like, that piece what? of craft macaroni that made out of gold? Yeah. <laughs> how much does cheese cost? Yeah. We're in Wisconsin, man. Yeah, you just pull a, a craft single out of your pocket and put it on the hamburger. Like, Christ, come on! <laughs> I don't understand how they're like, yeah, hamburger, it's fine, but God forbid you want a little American cheese. I love that Olympics. That was such a good Olympics. Some breaking news in the NFL happened on Saturday evening. We were sitting around, we were playing poker, and all of a sudden somebody says, Matt Stafford's been traded. My attention was was at an all-time high. 
He got traded to the Rams, and my jaw just dropped to the ground. What do you make of the trade? I honestly think it was both for good. Like, both. Jesus. (laughs) Good for both sides. Fuck. So, I think Detroit got what they wanted. The Rams got what they wanted. The Rams refused to draft in the first round. They haven't had a first-round draft pick since I was in high school. They haven't had one for seven straight years. They're not going to have one for seven straight years. I think it's great for them because they are so solid, and this can help them get Jared Goff's contract off the books. And also, when they restructure Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald next year, they could have some of the most cap room in the NFL, which is just crazy. Yeah, they do have a lot of money tied up with like three people so it is hard to build around it but we'll have to see as a vikings fan i could not be more excited for jared goff to be in detroit he might die behind that (laughs) offensive line and they're just going into a rebuild he doesn't know which direction the sun rises in i feel he's not gonna know how to tie his shoes after i feel so fucking bad for jared goff i don't i really don't a little california boy Headed up to Detroit, he's gonna get slapped around. Well, he's he's gonna have to live with like Blake Griffin. Yeah. Why do you say that? Because Blake Griffin went from L.A. to Detroit. Two completely different people in sports, but right on. Yes, I like. Is <laughs> <laughs> this man sex criminal? <laughs> Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Apparently, that's coming up this weekend. I'll be down in Arizona watching. You'll be back here in Blundery, North Dakota. But we got the Chiefs taking on the Bucks. It's at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium. Is there an Amber Alert going on? Yeah, some old dude died. God damn it. Why does it happen to your phones when it's Silver just like alert, it is going nuts? Blah, 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 Cooper, Chever. All right, we just got a yeah. silver alert. It seems like a real Everybody check problem. in with your grandpas. Make yeah. sure they're not pissing their pants in the freeway. Grandpa! But yeah, we got the, the, we got the Chiefs, we got the Bucks. Hard to concentrate when we get fucking silver alerts middle of recording. And there might be a silver alert for Tom Brady soon. He's so goddamn old. Who's winning the Super Bowl and why? Honestly, I have no idea. I think the Bucks win. I have no idea either. I don't want to bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. But he also got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey being like, what's up? But you think about it, both right tackle and left tackle are hurt for the Chiefs. And what Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett did to Green Bay's offensive line, I think it could be a long night for Patrick Mahomes. Right. I'm leaning towards the Buccaneers because they're they're the underdog coming into the game. They were that five seed compared to the Chiefs who were that one seed. They got the bye. They're your repeating champions. I mean, they're, they won it last year. They're expected to win, I would think. I'm going Bucks. Yeah, it's Bucks in Tampa Bay. They're healthier. The only stipulation is if the Chiefs play their A game, they will win. Should be a good one. Are we going with unanimous Bucks decision here? Which is really wild because usually I'll just pick the other team to spite you, but this one I got to agree with you. Yeah, I can't bet against Tom Brady in Florida on a sunny Sunday afternoon. This is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. All right, that's our show. Thank you, Scott and Riley, Riley for coming on. Uh, next week, we will have 
Joel Porter in for an interview, plus the Olympics of board games. You can find us on social media at, at NBNH Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search NBNH Podcast. You'll find us. Rate, review, subscribe. We'll see you next week. Excuse me. Where's everybody going? To Gobbler's Knob. It's Groundhog Day. It's still just once a year, isn't it?